What is up, everybody? Welcome to week three, episode three, with my beautiful co-host, Paul Burgess. Today, I'm really, really pumped about this one. We are going to hurt a lot of feelings with this episode because we are going to talk about your, as in the listeners, your last diet. Like, Paul is going to give us the blueprint to what he feels is the last diet that you'll ever have to try. No more teeter-totter, no more uh, on the cycle, off the cycle. Here it is. So, Paul, gosh, I, I know that you've worked with hundreds, thousands of people, and, and this comes through tried and true experience. What is this last diet? That's a... That's a that's a pretty that's a pretty bold statement like okay don't look at anything else like this is it. Yeah. So anyway, hi. Thanks hi. for having me back. Um <laughs> It's good. Man. It's like a third that. show and I think you know the last few have gone really well and 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 you know the feedback's been really good and so I think it is good that we're getting this info out. However, this particular one is a bit of a, um, you know, it's a bit of a self-indulgent project because I designed this. This is my baby and it's come about because of decades of um, work within the health industry, seeing all the stuff that's gone on, reading all the research, understanding what benefits there are to various diets and why people do them. Um, and, you know, historically I've had, Olympians, world champions, British, European champions in various fields that I've trained and done things with. And that's all lovely. Um, but they're not the sort of people that are going to do a, a, you know, know what the best diet is for them. They're doing it for training purposes. And we're going to cover this because I know you're going to have a particular question for me. Mm. And, and it's important we cover it um, when we get there. So really quickly though, Paul, but before you go into your, your, you know, the, the real, you know, info here, what's the one thing that bothers you most about the diet industry? Like you hear it and it just like boils you like, like the skin, you just get hot about it. Do you know what? It's not a thing that bothers me. It is the whole perception of the industry <laughs> because it's being driven by profit. And so I have, to, I have to convince you to buy my product. I have to convince you that if you do anything else, it's wrong. I have oh. to convince you that if you, if you don't eat just meat, then you will die as soon as you touch a vegetable. And look, I've got all the, I, I've got all the research to show you that, and I've got a very convincing reason for it. And that's yeah. why so many people thrive on carnivore, do they? Okay. Well, let's just see about that. There's a very small percentage of people thrive on carnivore. Now, don't get me wrong. I've used carnivore as um, intervention for cancer patients at the right time when it's needed, but uh -huh. it's, not a, it's not a permanent diet. It's something that works very well as a treatment. But then you've got the other side of it, which says, well, you've got to be vegan because as soon as you eat meat, you'll get cancer. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the whole thing is driven by... Um, misinterpretation of actual reality profit and rob wolf said something once i wish i could remember it exactly but he said something like um the, the chances of succeeding on a diet are about 
as high as the chances of you making fire by rubbing two snow cones together. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, you're never gonna, it's never gonna work, right? Yeah. So, so, but let me ask you this. You said something about studies that caught, you know, that, that caught me. And I know there's a lot of people that are like, show me the studies, show me the studies. Like it's science. So what happens when someone comes and they're talking about, or an advocate of the vegan diet and, or the carnivore diet, I shouldn't say, and, or it's usually you're on one side or the other, but let's just say someone's an advocate of the vegan diet and they've got all these studies and all this science to back up everything that they say. What do you say about that? The science is honestly not what you should be focusing on. So let's have a think about something, right? This is where you're going to get pushback now from listeners and probably lose, you know, three quarters of the people that have been listening. The show's gone. We're done. <laughs> but, but, but we've but only written three right? shows, so we, we might as well end now. Oh, well, not a, you know, not a huge time investment from us. No, I'm just kidding. Like, it's, it's about the truth, though, for me and for you. And, and look, I'm okay to lose people as long as the truth comes out. People don't like the truth. The, the, okay, so the science is not where you should be looking, but you've been manipulated and driven down a road that that's where the answer is. So now I'm going to try and do this in the most simple way. So are you saying, are you saying, are you saying, are you essentially saying that we can't trust the science? No, not at all. But I do know that if you do a research paper, you are doing it for a purpose. And very often, the purpose you were doing it for is changed during the process of the research based on the results you're getting. But oh. that's irrelevant, right? <laughs> I think you just, I think that was code for you can't trust science. <laughs> the outcomes are accurate within the papers, but yeah. it might not have been what they were trying to find in the first place. But that's not let's the point. Leave this out. Let's leave that out. Let's just uh, bypass that. But here's the thing, Mike, right? From an evolutionary perspective, humans evolved better and faster and grew bigger brains and more intelligent when they started cooking and eating animal products. I agree. And the body needed those amino acids, <clears throat> excuse me, to be able to thrive, right? Not about surviving, it's about thriving. And so that's what separated us from the other animals. And, you know, our nearest, answer, uh, our nearest kind of DNA relative would be an ape. You know, they're vegetarian, they live in trees, they don't have houses, they do not, um, you know, drive cars and have a uh, electric and gas infrastructure. So it's a very different um, species that we have become. Now, I also have the opinion that we've gone past our optimal and we're now destroying everything that we um, have created, but that's a different conversation. So you should be vegan. Well, we were never vegan for all those years. But I tell you what we were doing when we were surviving is we would eat whatever we could. And so we might be carnivore if we killed an animal and just ate that for three days depending on where you live too, what you where you lived determined what you had access to right so some people probably had access to a lot of fruit or a lot of veggies or a lot of meat right something you said there exactly but if they, if you found the animal and you killed it you'd sit and eat it and you wouldn't sit there and go oh where's that asparagus we got last week let's put that on there as well 
but you right. even like I'm eating that. That's what it is. You, and then you might not see that for another three weeks, and all you eat is grass and seeds and fruit if it's in season and whatever. Sure. So you're yeah. going to be vegetarian for or vegan for a period of time, you know, and then something else comes along and you eat that, and and so you're you're you've evolved to thrive on all of those aspects. Now, it so happens in 2022, we've got access to food um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yep. Scientifically manufactured. Yep. Well, I mean, forget the processed food, but let's talk about real food. You can get good quality whole food 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So we've cracked the problem of where do we find the next meal? Right. And therefore, we can thrive on what we need for our bodies, which is generally people do very well on a paleo kind of diet, right? So mm-hmm. it's whole foods, very little um, grains or dairy and things like that, because some of that will be up, um, difficult for people to digest. Mm-hmm. For people that can digest that stuff, eat everything. I've got, no, I've got no issue with it. But to say to somebody, you have to be vegan or you will get cancer is blatantly not true. I don't care what the science says, because we've got hundreds of thousands of years that prove that actually... Today, we have the highest rates of cancer we ever had. And so mm-hmm. you're blaming it on the food. And I'm telling you, you're categorically wrong. And the okay. reason you're wrong is you do not know what metabolism is and where that cancer is coming from. And I can tell you where it's coming from. And I'm going to get on my soapbox a bit now because this is a this is a bugbear of mine. Today, one in two people get cancer. We've had this discussion, right? Crazy. Absolutely crazy. 15 years ago, one in three people got cancer. Well, how's that, how's that cancer research going for you? But it, it, it was making things worse because chemical toxicity, environmental toxicity, mold, all the things that we know cause cancer have all been increased within our world. And so we've got more exposure. No one is trying to remove that from your system. They're just saying, oh, it's the food. It's the carcinogens in the burnt meat that's doing it from the processed meat. Well, I'll tell you what, get rid of all those other stuff that is driving this pandemic of cancer in the world, mm-hmm. and you will find that actually the meat is the last thing on your thing to worry about. Yeah, I mean, don't we, don't we, isn't it sugar? Isn't sugar responsible for most of the, the problems that we, that we face? I think sugar's responsible for lots of problems, um, especially when it comes to obesity, if it comes to... Um, but even cancer, right? You were talking about talking about cancer right you know like when you when you have cancer you want to starve yourself of sugar right so to starve the cancer yeah you gotta be careful so estrogenic cancers um if you do a ketogenic diet might not respond that well to it but my other cancers 100 if you starve the sugar out they've got nothing to feed on so did the did the did the high sugar intake um cause cancer it was a contributory factor along with Toxic load, um, mold, environmental toxicities, poor sleep, stress, you know, processed foods, all of the above. But none of that is saying go vegan and you're going to cure that because none of it is about being vegan. You can be vegan and still have all of those things and get cancer. Plenty of vegans get cancer. Plenty of carnivores get cancer. Plenty of people that have lived a, 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 you know, inverted commas, healthy life get cancer and other chronic diseases like Alzheimer's and dementia and things, because what they're not doing, which is what we do at at my clinic, is they're not looking at what the real problems are. 
and what the underlying historic um, toxicity and mold and heavy metals and all that kind of stuff. You know, the bacterial infections and the viral infections that hide under um, uh, biofilms that the, the immune can't get to, and they just sit there and just do their damage over hundreds of you know, years and years, and then cause massive issues. So, mm -hmm. so no one's looking at it from that perspective. But anyway, coming back to... Yeah, get off the soapbox now. Yeah. Come back, come back around. <laughs> quite high up here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great information, right? It's, I mean, it's like, and, it's, and this is the stuff that people need to hear. Yeah, and I think it's important to understand that you can't just tweak your diet and get yourself healthy. That's not the the way forward. But we're talking about diet today, so. But it is a good for it is it it is a good first step, right? I mean, like for the people that are listening, we we have to start somewhere. Um, yeah, hundred percent. But it's not going to fix anything if you've got other things going on. Sure, I see what you're saying. Trust me, it's not going to remove toxicity. It's not going to help you with mold infection. It's not going to help you with heavy metals. Gotcha. I see where you're. I see where you're at. It, it yeah. can it can it can make you feel a bit better initially, but it's not going to do anything significant to you which is why it's the thin end of the wedge. However, here's the biggest, biggest problem. Everyone's looking for the quick fix or the magic bullet or the special sure. source, right? Yep. And so when that research comes out and it says, yeah, this is the thing, look, here's the clever thing. If you fast for 14 hours and 36 minutes, you will have the highest growth hormone, which means that you will have the best long-term this and the other. It's absolute nonsense. It really is. Nothing wrong with intermittent fasting. In actual fact, we weren't made to eat six times like a day we do. Right. or graze, right? We, we weren't, it's not how we were developed. And so let me just really, really quickly while you're on this subject, because I think there's a good nugget that, that can come of this. When you're talking about intermittent fasting and you're talking about our current consumption habits of just, you know, indulging every couple hours, six small meals, a lot of the fitness gurus would say, just have six small meals, right? That's going to work. You're saying that that's not the best way. What does eating that frequent, what what impact does that have on our digestive system and our overall health if we do that? Um, well, a significant part of the, the protocol I'm going to discuss is um, addressing that. And, and the reason is if you're constantly grazing, you're keeping your blood glucose elevated. Mm -hmm. And whilst your blood glucose is elevated, you are storing fat you're not burning fat. Mm -hmm. And so you then rely on a very, very low calorie diet so that the overall calorie intake of the day allows you to somehow have to supplement your um, output by burning body fat. But it's really difficult while you've got regular boluses of food going in, which is keeping your um, elevated glucose. And so... Eating six meals a day does not increase your metabolism. Um, it might allow you to eat a calorie deficit overall because you feel as though you know you're you're kind of always grazing and you, you you're not starving because when you're only eating a thousand calories a day, it sucks for anybody. But it's certainly not healthy, and it's certainly not something that's sustainable. So we're not talking about you know you want to lose weight. Trust me, I can get you to lose weight. It's not a yeah. problem. But mm -hmm. I'm sure everybody that's listening is like, they're shaking their head now. Yeah, Paul, get me to lose weight. Yeah, Paul. Because that's what everybody wants. Everybody wants to lose weight. 
But you've got to do it in the right way. Otherwise, it's I all going to come back on. If you're losing weight and you're not healthy, what difference does it make if you're not healthy? You you look great, but you're but inside, right? Like it's like you look at a Ferrari, a brand new Ferrari. It's amazing, but the engine doesn't work. Oh, okay, great. Where are you going? In other words, like. So so let's cut right to the chase. So let me tell you about this diet. Okay, it's called yeah. the three by five diet. The three by five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three meals a day. Five hours in between meals. Oh, okay. Get out your notepad. Get out your notepads, right? But let me explain why. And we covered it briefly just now. So I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot of work with my very good friend, Marty Kendall over in America, uh, Australia. And he's, he's he does, brilliant. I mean, mate, there's no one that's cleverer on this stuff when it comes to the technicalities of, of, um, of optimizing nutrition in general. However, <clears throat> My, my experience tells me that you can have the best diet in the world, but if you do not stick to it, if you're not compliant and adherent to it, it's not worth anything. Right. Because if you're not sticking to it, then what's the point, right? Yeah. And so Marty did some really good work, and I did it with him. I, I was a participant in it. It wasn't my thing. Where people measured their blood glucose after a meal, and then they would continue to measure it, and when it drops below a certain level, that would be the time you could eat your next meal. What level, like approximately what level is that? Individual to everyone. Individualized. Okay. All right. Yep. So you go, okay, that's the level. As long as it drops below that, then I can have my next meal. And what it did was really educate people as to what does hunger mean as opposed to, like you said, well, it's six meals a day. It's 2.30. I've got to have my next Tupperware box or whatever it is. Oh, right. They pull it out. It's already prepped. And 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 yeah. it also really educated the participants as to what foods created the the high problems and you know and kept it elevated. So here's a here's a my own personal experience on it. I um I ate um a, a fair amount of sushi, which has got the white rice, which is very, very highly glycemic, and it's also got sugar in it because it's sticky. That's what they do it for. It's not just the starch, and also the starch is very fast-releasing. So I ate this um, portion of sushi, and my and my blood glucose spiked. In this country, the, num the number is 8.5. It's very high. It spiked, and I was able to watch it come down over the next 20 minutes back to baseline. So we're in and out. Very so that quickly. so that fast, 20 minutes, it comes back to baseline. Yeah. In that particular case, in that particular food, for uh -huh. me at that time. Right? Okay. This doesn't uh -huh. mean that it will happen to you. Sure. But there's Everybody a reason I want to explain this because it's relevant to, to um, the diet. Now, you know, because I've been in your house, that I don't mind a bit of chocolate now and then. Right? I'm partial. Mm -hmm. So I did the same experiment with a combination of, uh, well, it was chocolate cake, basically. So I wanted to find out how that's going to... Um, Are you saying that we can have chocolate cake on this diet? I just want to make sure that I'm hearing this right. And if, you, if that's what if that works your vote, right? But here's what it did. So the sushi went up to 8.5 then came down in 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. The chocolate cake went up to 8.5 mm -hmm. and didn't come back down to baseline for 17 hours. Wow. Wow. So I fasted until, you know, practically the next day, like... I mean, just because of the cake. Yeah, because the combination of the fat and the sugar and that particular thing and whatever it was, 
oh. is irrelevant. The fact was, it, didn't, it just didn't come back down again. And so I obviously, I had that was an evening meal. And then I obviously slept, got up in the morning, still high, didn't eat. Lunchtime, still high, didn't eat. Got to about 5 p.m. and it just, just came back down again. Now, many people will sit down of an evening and go, oh, do you know what? I fancy a bit of something. You know, I'm, it's been a long day. Hagen does, man. But yeah. what they don't realize is it will jack your blood glucose up. And just because you slept does not mean it's going to come back down again. And so the next morning they wake up as if it's a clean slate, draw a line under everything, right, let's go again. And But the elevated glucose is still there. And then they eat their, I don't know, fruity pebbles. We love to bring that on. Or they eat their pancakes or their whatever the, the traditional breakfast food is. And it keeps it elevated throughout the day. You get these massive spikes and then drops, which makes you really hungry because the blood glucose is dropping. And it doesn't make you hungry for a chicken salad. It makes you hungry for something else of high right. sugar, high carbohydrate, right? right? Can, can I ask a quick question real quick about this? Will I, will I, will I mess this up? Cause you're on a roll. So, so as I'm, as I'm listening to this, right. And I'm hearing, I ate this sushi, white rice, right. Carbs and sugar. And then I'm hearing chocolate cake, fat, salt, sugar, carbs. And I'm understanding the difference between the blood glucose, how it rises, how it falls. Did you monitor the calories for each of these meals and were they similar because as i'm listening to this i'm saying okay what happens if these two meals each had 500 calories i'm looking at the the impact on your on your blood sugar but if it's calories in calories out and someone's monitoring just calories and saying hey i can have this chocolate piece of cake because it's only 500 calories but the truth is is that my glute my blood glucose is is staying elevated which over time creates insulin resistance and a, and a, and a problem there which, as you know, is just a downward spiral and going to make it hard to lose weight. Am I thinking right? Am I thinking right here? Oh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. But at the same time, let's say there were, let's say the sushi was 500 calories and the cake was 1,000. Actually, it doesn't matter because 17 hours is a damn long time. I agree. And, and therefore, it's the principle that some things are going to really ruin your, your overall metabolic health. And that was just an example of it. Mm -hmm. stayed elevated and whether it did or not again we need to get away from this minutiae right what's the science say what's the data say and we've right. got to get to what are the overriding principles because once we know that we can stick to something rather than get all caught up in the stress over it all and then not follow it so right three by five diet three meals a day five hours in between meals because after all the research and the work I did with Marty and everything else, I found after five hours, your blood glucose generally drops to a good place. Unless you're eating chocolate cake. Yeah, don't eat chocolate cake. That's right. not, the, the chocolate cake's not on the diet, right? Right. And you're, I'll, I'll explain why in a second. So the eating window then for people who are listening is 15 hours, right? If you're eating every five hours and you're eating three meals a day, then you're essentially eating for 15 hours and then you've got another nine hours where you're not no it doesn't doesn't actually work like that but okay. let me explain so mm -hmm. three meals a day five hours in between meals so if you're going to do a schedule example let's say you have breakfast at 8 a.m yep and then lunch at one yep and then dinner at six yep 
Okay, and then say you finished dinner at half six. I'm not saying you have to stick to these times. I'm just saying that's a five hour in between. Yeah. So then, would you get up? Would you, like if you go to bed, would you get up and eat at eleven? What is that? Eleven thirty would be five hours from six thirty. What What was the first? What's What's the diet called? Three by five. So you've done your three. Now, where are you getting up at eleven o'clock and going eating again? Yeah, that would be four by. <laughs> Sorry, oh, four by two and a half. By... Yeah. <laughs> So here's the thing, and it's important because this is built into it. This is the purpose it was designed for. Three by five, six o'clock, you finish at 6.30, say, and you're done. Now, you're not eating again until eight o'clock the next day. That's a 14-hour, 13-and-a-half, 14-hour fast. Got it, got it. Which is where your intermittent fasting comes in, by the way, right? And your longer period of time, so your blood glucose can drop, your mm-hmm. hormones can stabilize themselves, you're not overdoing it. So you're getting a good break. You're getting tapping into autophagy or autophagy, that is right. what you call it over there, right? Which is the mm-hmm. renewal of cells and the getting rid of broken DNA and fixing up new ones and stuff like that. So you're getting all the health benefits from that perspective. Mm-hmm. But during the day, what you're doing is also keeping your blood glucose in check. Now, so at the risk of repeating myself, three meals, five hours in between meals, what yep, are the check. meals made up of? Yeah, that's what everybody's wondering. But really quickly, you just said something, right? You keep your glucose in check. I'm going to say a statement and you just say true or false. That's it. Manage your blood glucose, manage your weight. True. Oh, I like this game. One more. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) True to a point. Oh, you! but you can't do that. I knew you were going to do that. You can't do that. Not true to a point. True or false. That was it. Well, no, no, because there, because there are variables in all of this stuff. Because you know why? Because we're not digital. We're not ones and zeros. I agree that. Okay, but, but okay, so let me rephrase it. Can you lose weight if you don't manage your blood glucose? Is it possible to lose weight without managing blood glucose? It would be extremely difficult. And, and in actual fact, the reason we have the obesity crisis we have mm-hmm. is because people's blood glucose are not under control. Off the charts. Off the charts, yeah. So three meals, five hours in between meals. What do we eat during the meals? Mm-hmm. Breakfast and lunch are made up of protein, good fats, and vegetables, or greens, if you want to call it, whatever it no is. Carbs, carbs, no carbs, zero carbs. No starchy vegetables, okay? Yep. So... Protein, good fats, non-starchy vegetables. Right, so okay. no carbohydrates. So, so no sweet potato? Not in the breakfast or lunch. Oh, dude, we, you, we're breaking up. The sweet potato, I wrote a book called The Sweet Potato Diet. You're saying no sweet potatoes? We got to cut the, we got to come off the air right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, got you. I'm following you. Breakfast, lunch, protein, good fats, non-starchy vegetables. As much As much as you want. Until you feel a certain level of satiation, are we measuring with our hands? No, no. Listen, this is not about a fat loss diet. This is about how to be healthy long term. Well, I understand, but there's people are listening. Like, hey, man, I no. But but what happens is if you're eating that kind of food, you're not going to overeat it. I know that. I know that because it's whole foods. So why there's people that are listening? There's people that are listening right now that are like, man, I, I just I need to count i need to keep track I, you know i've got my fitness pal or a macro tracker 
right? Like for those people that that. Uh-huh. Do you remember the last couple of weeks when we said quiet the noise? Yeah, it's a yeah. All right, so every if you're listening, get rid of those get rid of those trackers, damn it. Because what they're hearing is the noise. You know, if I don't if I don't convince you that calorie counting is the only way, I cannot sell you the subscription to this app. True story. So up until a hundred my... up up until a hundred years ago, we didn't even know what a calorie was. I know that. And we were around for hundreds of thousands of years. No problem. I'm with you. We are on the same page here. Ain't no obesity in the eighteen hundreds, right? Not until right. sugar came along. Right. And so Understand this. I don't care what calories you're counting or doing or whatever. That's not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Because every time you put in another layer like that, it becomes more complex and more difficult to follow and more anxiety driving. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. Who the hell wants to count? 28 calories too much. I've got right. on the treadmill for an hour. It's like, oh, it's a- this is why diets don't work. right? Yeah. And this is why this worked for every patient i put it into have found it the easiest thing to follow and the most effective Mm -hmm, i like it breakfast lunch protein good fats non-starchy vegetables really quickly what kind of what are we cooking with i know there's a lot of people that are listening right now right i mean can you cook with as much oil with as much olive oil as you want that's healthy fat avocado oil olive oil how do you feel about grass-fed butter yeah all of the above but I'll tell you what, if you start eating in a way that you start piling weight on because you're eating 10,000 calories a day, then you're going to have to reassess what you're doing, right? All right. So easy on the butter. <laughs> it's not about trying to hack the system. Just do it, right? Don't go. Oh, I'm just telling you the question. I get a lot of this. The questions I'm asking you are the questions that I get every single day on social media. And you know what the, the answer is? Don't get clever with it. Right? You know, it's too much olive oil. You All know right. when it's too much butter. Don't yep. start trying to be clever or hack the system. Just right, right. take your foot off the intensity pedal when it comes okay. to this stuff. Right? Not I you. Heard you. No, no, I, I'm, 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 I'm hearing you. I, I love it. I love the pushback. I love the like. Listen, like, get your shit together, right? You know, you know when you're using too much butter. You can't use the entire stick of butter. Damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't, I don't think oh, because it says I can put it in my coffee. It's okay. All right. How's that going for you? 50 pounds overweight and you know high blood pressure and everything else shots fired shot, shots fired on the bulletproof coffee <laughs> but look breakfast and lunch protein good fats non-starchy vegetables dinner protein carbohydrate vegetables everybody is fist pumping right now as they're listening to it they're like carbs for dinner i cannot wait until dinner but let me explain to you why this is so most people go, oh, you can't have carbs at night. It will ruin, you know, you'll, you'll put all fat on and all this sort of nonsense, right? I'm glad you're going here. Right. So let me explain something. All day, since the night before, you've had no carbohydrate. Right. So you've managed your blood glucose. You've depleted any excess glycogen or glucose that's in your system. And you're now at a place where you can replenish that. So you can have your carbohydrate. Have a sensible carbohydrate. You know, fruity pebbles is not your go to have have a good carbohydrate source whether it's rice or beans or potato or white potato or whatever it is that you want to do so long as it suits you and it sits well with you okay don't eat the only one the only one i want people eating are sweet potatoes well if they want to eat sweet potatoes (laughs) but that's okay sweet potatoes are good right 
Now, because of the way you have it set up, though, it doesn't matter if it's white potato or sweet potato. It doesn't matter if it's quinoa or white rice or brown rice because of the way that you've structured the three by five protocol. Exactly. Right now. But but more importantly, we're putting it in in that last meal to reestablish your glucose because you need it. And carbohydrate helps production of serotonin, which helps production of melatonin at night which means you sleep better. Yeah. So I want to so, talk about that really quickly. And so now because... you're getting better quality sleep overnight, right? Mm-hmm. And you're also getting better quality sleep because your last meal is around that six, seven o'clock kind of time. Mm-hmm. And you go to bed, if you're doing well, you go to bed 10, 11 o'clock maybe. Mm-hmm. And you've had three or four hours after your last meal before you go to bed. Right. And that allows your body to do is digest most of it. Remember... The composition of this last meal, protein, carbohydrate, vegetables. No fat. Right? No fat. No fat. Because fat will slow down that carbohydrate digestion. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. actually, if anyone here is listening and saying, yeah, but I'm told to eat carbohydrate with fats because it reduces the glucose spike. This is another technical issue that I've got. Yes, it will reduce the spike in your glucose. But we're not worried about the spike because we've managed it. We've managed the spike. No, 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 but this is important, Mike. It will, right. it will reduce the spike in your glucose, but it will last longer in your system. So instead of it going in and out. Like so insulin is raised. It, it's raised for a longer period of time. Which means you actually excrete more insulin. Oh, my gosh. So do not have fat with carbohydrate. If you're going to have anything with it, you have fiber. Sweet potato with the skin, right? Or mm-hmm. whatever it is Love you're going to have. Sweet potato with the skin. Fibrous, yeah. vegetable, fibrous vegetables mm-hmm. with, your, with your rice, whatever it is. So what happens is you've got, I don't know, 6.30 is your end of your meal. You go to bed at 10.30. You've got four hours there that you've, that you've digested most of your food. And therefore, when you go to bed, the majority of your digestion has finished, which means your heart rate is starting to lower and you've got <clears throat> nothing disturbing your sleep. Mm-hmm. Your body's trying to digest this stuff and you're not getting restorative sleep. Right? So if you, if you wake up tired and you're eating an hour before bed, yep. try eating three hours before bed and see how your sleep is. So you, my friend, are dropping some serious health bombs. I hope people are listening. This is one of those episodes where people are going to have to go back and listen to. Yeah. So, so this let, is me good. Just, let me yeah. just clarify the whole thing, right? Right. Three meals a day, five hours in between meals. You, whatever mm-hmm. schedule you want to run, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Breakfast and dinner. Uh, sorry, breakfast and lunch. Protein, good fats, non-starchy vegetables. Dinner, protein, carbohydrate, vegetables. No carbs, first two meals. No carbs, first two meals. Carbs in the evening. Carbs, last meal. Now, let me ask you this really quickly. Now, I have experienced personally better sleep when I have carbs at night. So I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's, and that's what's happening, right? The carbohydrates increase the production of serotonin, which increases the production of melatonin, which allows you to get better sleep. Correct. But what's the most important thing for your health? You asked me this question last episode of the one before. So what's the one thing that's most important to you about your health? Sleep, 100%. Sleep. 
So this whole thing is structured to give you better sleep, better recovery, better blood glucose management. But more importantly, this is the thing that hasn't been mentioned, is better metabolic flexibility. Now, what that means is you can switch between burning carbohydrate for fuel or fat for fuel. And the people that have better metabolic flexibility live longer. Mm. How much longer? How much longer are there studies that you're that you're looking at? There probably are, but I'd have to look them up properly and get some actual data on it. Because if it's one year, I may be like, ah. But if it's ten years, I might start today. <laughs> I don't care if it's one year. I'm because, with you. Totally, let me tell you why. Totally. Though. No, no, let me tell yeah. you why. I know. Even if it's one year, the lifetime up to that was of much better quality. Agreed. Amen. Because you weren't suffering with fatigue and brain fog and aches and pains and you couldn't put your socks on and all that kind of stuff you are actually living a much healthier better life and if it extended another year great right because the because the because the quality of the of your life leading up to it was was amazing going back to our first episode be happy today what makes you happiest today gives you the best quality today right what if the answer to that is is carbs for breakfast <laughs> what makes me happy today? Carbs first thing in the morning. Damn it. So um, if you're of that school, then great. You want to do that. Help yourself. But here's the thing. That that setup allows you to manage your blood glucose properly. It allows you to sleep well. It allows you to get metabolic flexibility. It allows you for it to be anti-aging longevity with that 14-hour fast. Majority of it is at night, so you're not even sitting there going, I'm starving. Mm-hmm. And all of it is easy to follow. Okay. Because I, got, that, I got three. Mm-hmm. Right, go on then. I got three questions. I got to, actually, I got a few things to share. So first and foremost, this has been eye-opening for me, and I have learned something. So I hope that the people that are listening have learned something too. I have a 30-day challenge, a second 30-day starting next week. And I am, while I have the foods locked down for what they're going to do, I am actually going to approach it in this way. So for the people that are in my challenge, get ready because we're going to follow the three by five together and see, we're going to put it to the test. Now, a couple of questions here that if I was listening, I would be thinking about. First one is, will I lose weight on this diet? Very likely, yes. Yeah. Can I explain why? Because you're you're mad. Yeah, go ahead. Because you're not, I mean, yes, you're managing blood glucose, but you're managing your hunger. And you're allowing your body enough time to drop into a fat burning state before you eat again. Okay. And the food you're eating are not things that are going to spike blood glucose and then drop it really far and make you hungry. So you're managing your satiety. You know what it's like? If you have a good breakfast of, I don't know, avocado, salmon. and Good till the afternoon spinach or whatever it is until the afternoon you'll go right the way through to one o'clock and not even be hungry for sure right yep yep if you have the fruity pebbles the oats the protein powder and stuff early on it's going to really mess you up so one hour one of the biggest problems people have is managing the hunger oh i'm really hungry or this hangry thing that we hear right it's like if you can if you can stabilize that and it's not even in the equation then of course you're going to eat less because you're not hungry. 
And if you eat less, guess what? You will lose weight. But more importantly, all that weight people lose in the first month or so, it's not fat. It's just reduction in inflammation. Yeah, and, and water, right? Would you say water too? Inflammation comes down, which drops the water down. Got it. Okay. Right? Because think about it this way. If you bang your elbow and you get a big mm-hmm. lump and mm-hmm. you push it, it's fluid. Yeah. Right? Because the inflammation mm-hmm. has drawn fluid to that area. Yeah, interesting. This is a good this is a good point. When we are systemically inflamed because mm-hmm. of the glucose and the poor sleep and the stress and everything else, we are full of water. Interesting. And as soon as we start eating properly and bring the inflammation down, the water comes down. Now, other people are going to argue that, oh, yes, because you're not eating carbs. Yeah, but I'm eating carbs at night. Yeah. So, yes, you're going to ketogenic diet. Lots of water will drop off you because each gram of glucose carries with it 2.7 grams of water, call it three grams. Mm-hmm. So it's three times more water than natural glucose you're dropping. Yep. And so, but we're not doing that. We're eating carbohydrate. So, yep. so I in answer to your question, yeah, you'll probably lose weight. You'll definitely bring down inflammation because you'll be eating well and you'll feel a lot better and more energized. And I think your brain function will certainly work a lot better as well. So another question I have is I'm listening to you, right? You've got inflammation and you've got bloat or water weight. How do you know the difference between the two or are they one in the same, right? Someone comes to me, I get a lot of people, as you know, with detox organics, right? They want to, they want to eliminate bloat and our product works to reduce the inflammation, right? So as you're sharing, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, so if someone is bloated, does that mean that, that they have inflammation? Well, yeah, I mean, it could be localized, in the gut okay. or it could be systemic throughout their body depending what's driving it mm-hmm. but again don't get into the minutiae of this right it's not about just follow where, the three by five to shut up yeah. where's the research about it no no but this is this is a really good example mike because this is what people are trained to question right it's like yeah but where's that what about this thing what about if i if i if i did that at half five and not six o'clock would it still work it's like chill the fuck out man But honestly, Mm -hmm. this is about getting you a process that's very easy to follow, works extraordinarily well, and people can stick to. Because within its design, it's dealt with your hunger, it's dealt with your sleep, it's dealt with your longevity, it's dealt with everything that it needs to without you even knowing. All you've got to do is follow some very simple rules. I love it. So two more thoughts as... I'm listening to you and I'm hearing the questions roll through in my DMs for the people that have been counting for very long with limited success, right? They count calories, they count their macros and they're listening to this and they're like, man, like this is going to be so hard because I'm so addicted because some of us are addicted to counting, right? I'm obsessed on it. I've got to do it this way. Is there a transition away from counting into this? Is there a way to give those people some sort of parameters to follow? Or is there just, it's just like jump in and do the three by five, damn it. No, if you, if you want macros that you, that you are, you, you are following, keep following them. But if you've got um, uh, a calorie count that you're following, keep count keep following them, whatever, if that makes you happy. And, and then, then you've got to, split it out between your meals right you then you've got to make sure that it fits the protocol but eventually you'll realize that that's a complete waste of time i agree and that's not a way to live 
right? Oh. You've got a beautiful nine-year-old daughter and a, I want to say, six-year-old son. Is he even seven? Seven now. Yeah, seven. Yeah. You don't have time to be counting, weighing, and doing. How would you feel? How would you feel if someone at school, a teacher, they had a lesson that said, right, you need to listen to, you need to understand macros and calorie counting? Oh, my gosh. No, you don't. That's not what we teach. How would you feel about that if you, that your children were being taught that? I would say you're setting them up for failure. You're setting the, setting them up to obsess on something that they shouldn't obsess on. Like food is fuel. And like you said about our ancestors, right? Like 500 years ago, it was you walk to pick some berries. You, you know, swam to find, you know, like it, it's, yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. You wouldn't wish it on your children. What oh, so the fuck good. are you doing as an adult counting calories? You hit everybody right between the eyes with that. Like, bam, right there. Like, bam. Stop it. All right, I got one more question. All I'm saying is, if you eat well, you're not going to need to count calories because you will self-regulate. Now, there's a lot of anxiety behind that. And that's one of the things that people, it ruins their day. Right? It's because, oh, I've got anxiety about what am I going to eat next? And if I have this, then what about that? And they say, oh, they said I can't eat that. Oh, my God. Chill the out. Do you know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. about, that's not a life. This whole thing about me, my business, everything is about creating the most happy, fulfilling life you can have. Calorie right. counting is not part of that. Mm-hmm. It just creates yeah. anxiety and it doesn't work. And then the worst thing is you counted the calories, you starved yourself and you still didn't lose the weight. And now you are hopeless. And like that you're is complete failure. And yeah. now you've got nothing else to turn to. And I know that you're talking about a lot of the population because we have been spoon-fed by the diet industry and seemingly every influencer, fit influencer on Instagram who is selling meal plans, and I was at one point selling meal plans based on macros, selling you, you got to count your calories or it's got to fit your macros. It is mind-numbing the misinformation that's out there. So I understand, right? People are frustrated. People are hearing this. So it would be like, gosh, I was lied to, right? So I hear you. I I guess I I have one question that I know people are asking right now. And that is, what about cheat meals? Now I say cheat meals. I don't like to call them cheat meals. I like to call them reward meals because I think that that needs to be a part of life. How do you, for your clients, incorporate a cheat or reward meal using the three by five protocol? All right. You think a pizza is a reward to your body, do you? Oof. I knew you were gonna I knew you were gonna be hard on these people. Be easy, be gentle. Can you just can you can you just be gentle for the last five, ten minutes of the podcast? Absolutely, I can. And and I'll say to them, honestly, <laughs> mate, when you eat when you eat good quality proper food it's not it's delicious it makes you feel amazing it is a treat to your body what you're asking me is when is it okay to abuse myself okay so that so that i can continue to eat this great food yeah okay do it whenever you want you want to do it on a saturday night listen you want to go out and have a burger (coughs) makes no odds to me have it in the evening because that's when your carbs are right and if it's a one-off thing every now and then, who cares? Have a life. It's fine. But don't okay. ever 
think of it as a reward or a cheat meal because that's cool, right? Okay, I'm restructuring everything. Damn. Okay. It's not reward at all. It's it's abuse and it's a, it's destruction. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. So if I people, if people want to stay in that in that process, then great. But honestly, when you sit down, and you have a really good meal, like an amazing salad or a vegetable thing with grass-fed meat or chicken or whatever it is, yeah, and it's done properly, and you've got a dozen different vegetables on there, and it's every color of the rainbow, and it's tastes amazing. You sit there and go, that greasy burger. That greasy burger and fries, it's not appealing to me right now. That like, this mm-hmm. is awesome and I feel great. And what I don't feel afterwards is guilty. Yeah. That now, is a mofo. Now got That's a mofo. That stuff, yeah, right? that guilt, that guilt, that guilt will follow you around everywhere you go. That's a vicious cycle. As I'm hearing you, you're saying, you know, you describe this beautiful meal with grass-fed steak and vegetables and all of this. I think part of the problem is, and I I'm not somebody who can cook very well. I've got a beautiful uh, woman at home who takes care of all that for me, and she's amazing. Thank God. But I think who, part by the way, of has been is, following. Who, by the way, has been following that diet for the last three or four weeks? The three by five. Yeah, yeah, and she's thriving. By the way, and my mom is thriving. Right, everybody that I brought to you is thriving. So I guess it's it's my turn to 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 get on this train, the the the, the Mr. Burgess train. Um, and I'm coming. I'm coming. These these episodes have just been enlightening and and so enriching in so many ways. I hope that the listeners are enjoying themselves. Um, So I hear you when you're talking about these beautiful meals. And I think part of the problem is a lot of people don't know how to cook, right? Like how to season the meat, how to season the veggies so that it is this beautiful, tasty meal that you describe. Because if I made the meal that you just described, it probably wouldn't be as tasty as you just described it. And that that may be part of the problem as to why people need to go for the burger or the pizza or the thing that is much easier to make much less time consuming and hits those taste buds, right? Cheese, the grease, the burger, the fries, the canola, you know, all of that. So what do you think about that with regards to the preparation and, and learning how to cook those meals is probably pretty important. Yeah. Learn to cook. Moral of the story is learn to cook. And where do they go for that though? Where do they go? Like if you can go, you can go online and onto YouTube and find billions probably of various things saying this is how you can cook this particular meal, right? Air fryers are fantastic. You know, it's a relatively recent thing for the kitchen, but air fryers I think are brilliant when it comes to being able to cook easy, simple food that's actually delicious. You know, when, when people are cooking chicken breast and it's dry and it's horrible and it's tasteless, who, who wants right. to eat that? Food? Nobody. Give me the pizza. Eating amazing food. You know, that, that stuff works really well. You can get so much um, uh, uh, resources to, to learn how to cook properly. And, you know, and if one day I write the book about this, which I may well do, it will have some stuff in there about how to cook it and what the best way is. But yeah. convenience is key, right? Convenience is key for a lot of people. And <clears throat> that's why they go for the toast and, you know, or, or, or whatever it is. Microbable oats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap as we wrap this up, first and foremost, I am really grateful for you. You are a genius with all things health and wellness and then some. But I am really excited about this show. I literally get every single week an hour-long crash course on health with someone that I trust more than anybody in the world on this topic. 
Good. You're awesome. I'm glad you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. But here's the question I thought you were going to ask. Because <clears throat> oh, I didn't ask it. No, no. It was saying I said, "Oh, I, I know the question you're going to ask," and you didn't ask it. Oh, what was it? What about around my training? Okay. Because right, you're going to get people that are going to go, "Hang on, post training, I need to eat." Right before you know, they say they say you got to have protein and carbs within a half hour post workout. Right? What if that is not in your, huh? They say a lot, don't they? Yeah, they do. Boy, don't they? Yeah, because then they can sell you their supplements, right? Then, yeah, right, exactly. So, okay, so answer the, answer that question to, fin to, to finish this off. So this is something that, again, has to get the right perspective. If you are training for an Olympic event or any kind of event that is that means you're doing a block of training and then you're peaking for that event, that mountain ascent the rowing event whatever it is marathon triathlon yeah this is not the diet for you because you'll be using a very specific sports nutrition diet for that got it you are going to the gym and you've never got an event coming up that is a professional event i'm talking about right you can have you know amateur events is a you know you're going for a, a run or you're doing whatever it is that sort of stuff does not necessitate sports nutrition. And the problem is everybody thinks that they're training for an event. There ain't no event coming. So they go, oh, yeah, you've got, you've got to have the, the pre-workout this. And then as soon as you finish, you've got to have this. And then that's the only way you can do it. And you've got to replenish those carbs. Honestly, 90% of people aren't even training hard enough to de deplete carbohydrate. So don't worry about when to put your meal, when your training is. And if you're not, I don't care. You train first thing in the morning and fasted, and then you have your breakfast afterwards. I don't care. You have your you, you eat first and then train after. Uh -huh. That's fine. You need your carbohydrates? Not really. I'll give you an example. This morning, I trained. I did an hour and odd of the training that I do currently, which is all like MMA and um, Olympic rings work, like bodyweight Olympic ring you know, uh, kind mm -hmm. of same kind of work. Mm -hmm. I got up this morning and my, my breakfast, which was, um, and my training session was quarter past 10. So I, I had this about 8 a.m. And it was a smoothie. And it consisted of coconut milk. It consisted of two scoops of collagen protein because I'm trying to do some gut work at the moment and collagen is really good for that. It consisted of some frozen spinach, frozen kale, um, and a load of other stuff, XL, like nucleotides. Mm -hmm. It consisted yeah. of um, uh, minerals I wanted to put in there. And um, I, I opened two capsules of whole food um, multivitamin. That all went in, zipped it up, drank it. Thank you very much. Job's done. And went off and trained two hours later. It wasn't for training. It's because I wanted to eat at that time and I'm good. Sure. Yeah, trained. Yeah. I love it. Hang on. Trained. Hour. Went in the sauna for half an hour. Finished that. Got off. Got back to my office. Had a call at 12.30. That went to 1.30. And then I ate my lunch. And now it's now 10 past five in the evening here. And I've not eaten dinner yet. And I will finish here. And I will go and see my little one and spend some time with family and then we'll eat in about half an hour, I suppose, 45 minutes. So 
The training's irrelevant. I don't care when it is. If you're training in the evening, fine. Train in the evening, have your carbs afterwards. Who cares, right? right? You're not training in a way that necessitates sports nutrition. Don't get fooled by all of that kind of jazz. Stick yeah, and, with and this is the process and you'll be fine. This goes back to our previous episode when you're talking the thin end of the wedge, right? This is one of those minute details, right? That the supplement industry is going to sell you a bill of lies. A lot of trainers are going to sell you a bill of lies because they want you to take their products. And, so, and, and this, this whole process, three by five, it had to have a name because people have to recognize it. So, right, so right. but the whole process is basically something you can do every day, not have to think too much about it and just get on with the rest of your life. It's real simple. And I love it. And it works time and time and time again. So I want people to try it and give us, excuse me, give us feedback on it yeah. and tell us yeah. how much weight they lost or how much more energy they've got, how much better their sleep is or yeah. all of the above. Because at some point I would like to invest some time and money into writing a book about it and getting yeah. it out in a big way. But right. for now, I think we've got, Plenty of people that can try it and do what they want. Yep. And for a fact, it works. Paul, thank you so much for a brilliant episode three, my friend. This was outstanding. I learned a ton. I know the listeners learned a ton. And so if you are watching this on YouTube, there will be links below on how to reach out to Paul. There's going to be links below to a food guide that I have. It's not going to tell you how to measure. It's going to give you a list of foods, and I know that they are approved by Paul. All of the links will be below. Like it, share it, and if you are listening to this on iTunes or Spotify, if you would do us a really, really big favor, because this thing helps a lot, right? Getting reviews, getting the feedback in the form of reviews on these platforms helps a lot. So if you would be so kind to do that, and then don't forget to tune in next week. I don't exactly know what we're talking about. I know we have it flushed out, but these are just going to get better and better, right? I mean, like, we're not slowing down. We'll talk about something. Hell yeah, we will. So thanks so much. It's, it's, it's been great, Paul. I've learned a ton. Take care, everybody.